the only thing that makes somebody buy something is if they're emotionally connected to it. That's it. There's, there's no other way to make somebody buy anything. Hello, welcome to episode 43 of the Smart Agents Podcast. My name is Michael Walter and I'll be your host. On today's episode, we are joined by Samrina Qureshi out of Ontario, Canada. Before breaking into real estate, Samrina gained extensive sales experience in her previous careers. And throughout our conversation, she explains how she has been able to sell the homes that others have tried and failed. For her, it all comes down to allowing potential buyers to form an emotional connection with the property. Now, before we get into the day's featured interview, make sure you follow and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the list goes on. Also, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Click the bell to get notifications when each new episode is uploaded. And lastly, if you or somebody else on your team has an awesome story or tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. All right, let's get on to the day's featured interview with Samrina Qureshi. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, just to get kind of get started out a little bit, could you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are and where you're at? Well, I'm a real estate agent, real estate broker, actually. <laughs> and um, I started real estate about six years ago, you can say. Um, and uh, before that, I was in like sales and stuff. But I'm working with Remax Real Estate Center. Um, and I specialize in homes that don't sell. Right. right. And, and where are you, actually? I'm in uh, Toronto, or you can say Milton, Ontario, like GTA. But yeah. Right. Toronto. Right. So, yeah, when you... Uh, you know, when you reached out and everything, you had it's quite the extensive uh, customer service and PR background. So, what yeah. made you want to get into real estate? My mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a weird story. Um, so, I, because I've done so much in sales um, and I worked with uh, um, developing some businesses as well. So, I've opened up stores, like expanded businesses from four stores to like nine stores and things like that. And I also became a regional manager, a regional trainer in the UK for a company and then I came back to Canada. I, well, I grew up here and then I, I had gone back to study law in England, came back here to Canada. And when I came here, I was working with Luxottica, um, which is uh, the own Ray-Ban, the sunglass store, the sunglass hut, uh, Pearl Vision, Lens Crafters. They're the right. So worked with them for a little while. And then my dad was like, you know, I think you've pretty much sold everything your whole life, like your glasses, clothes. <laughs> He's like, why do they sell houses? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm made for homes. I said, I don't know if I'm made for big products. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. Um, but uh, uh, then my uncle told me the same thing. My mom told me the same thing. And then my mom kind of uh, forced it on me to do my first exam. And my uncle forced it on me to do my first exam. And I signed up and then the rest was history. I just hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, because I also drop shadowed for a while before I did it. So while I was doing my exams, I was job shadowing somebody. So I learned a lot through that process too. Right. So yeah, I'd love to talk to you about this, you know, um, the selling the hard to home, you know, hard to sell homes. I think that that scares a lot of people when they see these homes that have been, you know, they've uh, on the, you know, an expired listing for, you know, or they've been sitting on the MLS for months and months and years for that. But what, so what makes you so good at selling these homes? Well, there's, there's different strategies to sell a house, right? Every house has a buyer, 
I think we all understand that. We all know that, right? We've seen homes that are completely run down. We've seen homes that are complete trash. People will still buy them. So we've seen homes that are super, super expensive. And then we sit and think, oh my God, how can somebody afford such expensive house? You know, so, I mean, every home has a buyer. Um, it's just how you strategize and sell it. Um, I have some, I guess I could, stories are the best way to connect people. So I can tell you a story. Um, there was this lady who had uh, the house in the market for five months. And uh, she couldn't, uh, her agent couldn't sell it. And I think she wasn't getting many feedbacks from the agent. Um, she didn't even have enough showings. Like weeks went by, two weeks went by, she had one showing. And so I guess marketing also makes uh, you know, a difference. And then also some agents don't have access to different boards. So like I have access to Trev, I have access to um, uh, like Oakville, Milton, Burlington, Hamilton, you know, so all of the different boards around the GTA. So when you start marketing in that way, then you have Facebook, then you have Instagram, then you have Pinterest. So how you market a home also makes a difference. Then some other ways of doing a house uh, and selling it is obviously staging it. Some people don't believe in staging. I heavily believe in staging because I think that a lot of people, 80% of buyers are going to look through pictures and they're like, no, 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 no. And then they wouldn't like it because some agents will take pictures of cell phones. Um, but when you actually stage a home, they can personalize it to themselves and they can, yes, I want to pay this much to live in this, you know, to have that feeling. Um, so you have to create that emotional connection between the home and the buyer for them to be able to be like, yes, this is the home I want to live in. Um, I don't think uh, a lot of people, a lot of sellers don't recognize that initially. And then eventually we'll be sitting on the market. And some homes that are staged already don't sell because they're either overpriced or something else is wrong with them. Maybe they're a bit on a busy street. So then sometimes you have to highlight the flaws. And, you know, so I do a lot of different things. I do like points of interest notes around the home around the home to kind of get, guide them to what to look at and what not to look at, <laughs> right? And I can give you an example of that, a really good one. Um, there was a house that I was selling. I, actually, it was on the market for three months. wasn't selling. He called me. He's like, "Somebody help. And I was like, okay. He listed it for 839 and it wasn't moving. He was getting offers at like 810, 815. And then he's, he called me up. He's like, can you do something about this? I said, yes, of course. So it was pretty much still vacant. We only uh, staged the master bedroom and the, and the main floor. Um, but one of the rooms was a hexagon because it was like the tower. You know how homes have a, that tower in the right. corner? So it had that hexagon room. And people walk in and be like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> you know, where am I, I going to put the bed? <laughs> like here on the window? Like how do I work? But, so um, I did not stage that room. But what I did do was I put a little note on the wall next to the light, a light switch. Uh, it just said something along the lines of... Um, little princesses love living in towers um, or something like that. And then I wrote, uh, we don't discriminate. Boys can use this other dragon's den. <laughs> you know, I kind of enhanced it so that people realize like the high ceiling, the tower shape. And yeah, actually, you know what? And then the person who bought it, he used it for his daughter's room. <laughs> you know, I have two children and my daughter would love it as a princess castle. And my son would also love it you yeah. know, to use as the night. He would <laughs> Exactly. So I think, I think some people, um, it all depends on how you market a house, to be honest. You know? Right. So those are easy ways to sell. And working with those sellers when things aren't selling, how do you, you know, kind of convince them like, look, we need to, we need to stage this home. We need to do a few things to enhance it. Cause sometimes people are a little hesitant to do that. He was, he was very hesitant. I sold his house for 842. He's not complaining anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, before he was getting 8, 10, and 15, now he's gotten 20, 30,000 over. 
by spending a total of twenty three hundred dollars. That's it. That's all you spend: staging and light bulbs. That's it. Nothing else. And so I guess sometimes some some people take time to realize that this worked, right? Some for some people you have to actually sit down and do a presentation and show them your previous examples. And I have enough examples to kind of tell my seller why this would sell. And then you know once one person you know, tells the other person and the other person finds out and they're like, okay, maybe we can try her. So it does happen. Like that's how I get my business. However, to get them to be convinced on it, you have to present and show them because some people only understand the visuals. They have to see it to believe it, you know? Yeah. And I talk to a lot of people also when they say, you know, just breaking down the math of everything. You said it cost what, $2,300 to stage this house and do the light bulbs? Yeah. And I then- mean, that's all it cost him, but he was sitting on the market for three months. He wasted three months of mortgage amount. Right. Exactly. Right. So when you, when you put that up against the mortgage payment, yeah. you know, it, it, it should take care of that issue right yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so many examples of this, like five months of that lady sitting on the market. She, she couldn't even close her home. The other home she bought, I helped her, I gave her ideas and she's like, Oh my God, I, I didn't know I could do this. And then we did that. And I even offered, um, her house was initially listed for 484. She kept dropping it down to 474 and every, like, a thousand, two thousand, two thousand, thousand, and she kept dropping it down. And then when she asked me well, how much are you going to list for that, I said four eighty four. She's like, "Are you crazy?" And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, "No." And then I I sold it for four eighty, yeah. and I sold it in twenty seven days. Like I had two offers on it, and it was like, it, and it closed in two weeks too. Awesome. And closing was super fast, so it all depends. And you know, you can even offer some some people, some sellers have an issue with increasing commission, right? So this is a very important thing that I think sellers should know. Sometimes giving more gets you more, you know, because if you're giving up um, more towards a, to, an, to an agent who's investing time and investing services, investing, bringing in things to your home to enhance and make it better, you're actually going to end up getting more, right? That's how everything works. You know, even with, even whenever you invest in yourself, you educate yourself to make yourself better. You're going to get there, you know, you're going to get the fruit of that. So the same thing works with homes. And uh, I sometimes encourage sellers to give more commission to the corporate brokerage. So when you're listing a home, instead of just doing a 2.5, I would encourage them, hey, why don't you give them an incentive? Why don't you put, hey, if my home sells in 10 days, whoever buys in the next 10 days, that agent is going to get $3,000 more. Right. Right? So encourage them. And, you know, they will make an effort to bring their buyers in and they will make an effort to make that extra. Right. Right. I really like that idea because it is is so true. You know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And uh, especially, you know, in today's world, everything is so instant and we have all these little, you know, I can sell your, you know, these apps and all that kind of stuff of sell your home, you know, yourself with this, but everybody knows there's there's not that you don't have that experience with an agent that knows the market, that knows how to get your house sold and and end up paying for it in the long run. Yeah, that's true. I have an example of a home that I put on the market. It was just the layout was Mm -hmm. No one liked it. <laughs> like nobody wanted to buy this home. It went on the market nine times before I got it uh, over a period of two years. So it was rented and then back on the market, then rented back on the market. Eventually I got it. So I told the guy, I looked at his house, I said, your layout is crap. <laughs> he was like, are you here to sell my house? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm being honest. I'm telling you what, what the flaw of your home is. And he said, oh, okay. So now how do we fix this? I'm like, you pay more commission. That's really the only way to do it. And he said, okay, how about this? 
he got, he was not getting anything. It was a detached home, double garage, four bedroom, and everything. He wasn't getting more than nine seventy, and 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 his all of his neighbors were selling for over a million. Mm-hmm. And he said, "If you sell my house for a million dollars, Marina, right? <laughs> I said, I'll give you more commission." I'm like, "I don't want more commission. Give it to the corporate brokerage." Right? And he's okay. So we listed it, and I put it up for two uh, two two point seven five commission for the other agent. Mm-hmm. It sold in for a million. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And it, and it was like, he was like, I didn't even think. And he was getting 970. So how much more did the, this guy end up paying? $4,000 more for the commission, but he got 30000 in price. Right, right. What's it now on the flip side of that? Do you ever have to, you know, say, look, you're way overpriced and we got to come down on that. So what's that conversation like? So when I have to bring somebody down in price, my best way to do it is, um, firstly, I've never had to do that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, I've never had to do that because I've always listed at the right price. And if someone argues with me, no, I want this. It's like, how are you going to get it? Your house is worth this much. This is the market value. This is how much homes are selling for. Then even with, even with that, I've never had to bring anyone down. It's usually when I have the conversation, when I'm about to list, I tell them, really realistic. You know, right. I've had somebody who's asked me, hey, can you list my house for 1.7 when it was 1.4? And I'm like, how? Where am I going to bring this $300,000 worth of stuff in your home that is going to be not that much? He's like, but this, 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 this. And I'm like, well, then sell it after two years. Right. Sit on it. You know, don't don't sell it right now because you're not going to be able to get that price. Right. So, so I've never really had to have that conversation in all honesty, but you have to educate your seller. If you don't educate your seller about how the market is and what their home is worth and what's selling around the area, what's good about the area, what's bad about the area, obviously that's it. It it makes an effect on the price. Right. So they just have to understand that. I think. Yeah. So I mean, and really, your past experience in customer service and in sales, it all has really gone into being able to get these people to understand your process and how you're going to get those homes sold. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these, these, what I've done before, I think the one thing I've really learned from all of the years of, of sales experience I've had, the only thing that makes somebody buy something is if they're emotionally connected to it. That's it. There's, there's no other way to make somebody buy anything. I can go into any store and it could be um, a shirt. If I don't like it, I'm not going to buy it. If I love it, I'll pay $40, $50 for it. I might even pay 100 You know what I mean? So it's something that you connect to it, and you, um, when you once you've connected to that thing, you'll buy it, right? Yeah. So it all depends. You have to make the home feel like that buyer's home, yeah. and that's how they will, they will buy it. There's, that's what I've learned over the years. Right. So how do you? Yeah, and how, so with this last year, because of you know how things have changed so much, how have you adapted that? You know, how have you adapted your approach to still get people to get that emotional attachment to a home when maybe they can't walk through it or they can't, you know, physically touch things and, and you know, really immerse themselves in the home? So there's a lot of uh, great services out there, like virtual tours and, you know, the 3D walking, the walkthrough tours. So I use those. You know, I have my guys go into uh, the house and do like the, uh, some people actually hire their own, I think this company, com- this company is called Matterport. Mm-hmm. Then you get your own camera and you can do the thing. But I just got to get the guys to do it. I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> just, they go and do it. They take the picture. So I always make sure that I hire a photographer or a proper video guy to go and do it. Right. I also hold open houses 
virtual open houses. <laughs> so I will sit in the house, I'll walk through the home, even if I have to stay live on Facebook or Zoom, like Zoom, people can pre for um, uh, open houses and they can walk, we can walk them through homes uh, while we're in the house. Um, they can ask us questions. They can ask us, open this door. Can you check what's behind there? Like they can do all those things. So we do that as well. Um, and then once they know the house works, they can come in for one showing. Sometimes before COVID, people used to come for one, second, third, fourth showings to make sure that the house they want to be in. But um, now we can, these are the options that we have, like the 3D tours and, you know, uh, live videos and things like that. So I do all of those things. Well, and one of the things I really like about, you know, the virtual showings and even these live tours is that you can really, you can rein in those, mm -hmm. you know, um, those getting distracted moments and really kind of keep people focused on yeah. the, on what they're doing. So I think that's one of those benefits of, of this virtual kind of world that we're in a little bit. You don't get stuck on the, you know, on the little things. Yes, that's true. That's true. And, but also when you say little things, you mean within the home, right? Like when Yeah. Or just even, you know, like you might be in the middle of a showing and all of a sudden, you know, another person walks in and, oh, you know, that, that, you know there, there's so many little things that can distract from that showing that maybe pull somebody true. out of that emotional experience. Yeah, that's true. Um, however, I cover a lot of the emotional experience through sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I mean the distraction of the emotional connection because I think um, the the purpose of staging a home is to make something okay so I had this one time I just bought her a house um, a few days ago so every time she walked into a home she would be like I don't think I can fit my sofa here because this is made for a sectional and I would be like no not really <laughs> you know so I had to like she had to envision the space with the right furniture so if you don't have, if you have your sectional right in the middle of your condo and it's blocking, it's, it's like a wall, it's, you know, it's blocking the entire space, they, she had envisioning issues. So she right. could envision the space. Um, so she, for her, the house had to be staged for her to envision where she could put stuff. Yeah. So that was, it was harder because to explain to her, and then, you know, we actually ended up moving some furniture in some homes to show her, you can do this, you know, and that was the way she ended up buying a house. So sometimes to connect somebody emotionally about how they can use the space to their benefit, I think staging is great. Right, <laughs> right. No, I, and I think it's becoming more and more popular among yeah. people. I think some, you know, a lot of people were hesitant towards it, but I, I'm hearing more and more people that are, you know, getting on board with doing it. And you know what, sometimes some stagers will do just accessory staging, right? So for example, um, if I have a house that is, that has no color, right? I have just, it's my, for my use. I don't need like paintings and decorations. I just want my sofa and my TV and that's it. Right. And some, you know, some, uh, uh, some homes like one bedroom suites that are owned by guys, mm -hmm. You, you know, you know what I'm saying. Right. I don't so, need a whole lot. Exactly. Guys don't need a whole lot. And they, they don't understand why there's a picture of a cat on the wall. Right. <laughs> so, um, so for, for homes like those, accessory staging works. You know, a woman will walk in and she'll be able to envision it as her personal space. So I think it works. Sometimes just accessories also make a huge difference. Right. You know? Before we wrap up, what's the market been like where you're at? hot like man hot but um i think it's starting to slow down a little bit now because um 
it started off really busy and crazy busy and we were not getting homes there were biddings and every time we put an offer i was losing i, I think i lost like six offers before i finally bought her a house <laughs> but uh but it was just because uh the market was so, so crazy and people were willing to pay so much and i think it was because sometimes what happens is buyers get uh, buyers get scared that they're not going to be able to get a home so they end up just putting more and they just end up buying for more. And then when the sellers start to realize, hey, the next door sold for eight, when they know their worth is not eight, they put their house in the market. And now all of a sudden we have this boom of listings that have come up and, uh, and now they're sitting. Right. So now, <laughs> now we're not getting the prices. So it's not like the prices have dropped. It's just the appreciation, the crazy appreciation, the crazy biddings have started to slow down. So the prices are still going to grow. On average, Toronto should grow five to 7% every year. It should be that much. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk with me this morning. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I really want to thank Sam Rina for taking the time to share her story with us. Now, once again, if you think you or somebody else on your team has an awesome story or a tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. But remember, follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Again, I'm Michael Walton, and we'll see you on the next episode.